0: And welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. We are here on a beautiful night in College Station, Texas. A miracle happened today in College Station, Texas. You want to hear about it? Okay. I just heard all the people on Facebook Live say that they want to hear about it. We're streaming the first segment here on Facebook Live. Here's the miracle that happened here in College Station. Anytime I complain, nothing ever happens. Like complaining just doesn't work. Everybody just like shut up, right? Like that's that's kind of what happens. And the thing I complain about never gets any better. But this time it did. I complained about it being hot outside. It's like it is November and it is 87 degrees outside. Why Jesus? Are you allowing this to happen? And then, miraculously, two and a half hours later, I'm sitting in my office and I hear Sam, our producer, say, Taylor, it's cold outside. I'm like, there's no way. It's not cold outside. I walk outside. Sure enough, it had dropped 20 degrees. Into the mid sixties, which here in college station is very cold. (laughs) It's about as cold as it gets here. Sixty six degrees. It is beautiful outside. So moral of the story complaining never gets you anything except that one time that it actually does. So um let's talk about Twitter. Which is ironic that I'm talking about Twitter while on Facebook Live. But Oh, oh, that's that's what we do here at the show. <laughs> we're just trying to make sense out of things that don't make sense. Crazy week on Twitter. I absolutely love Twitter. Yeah, there you there you go. That's what it sounds like every time you log into Twitter. We're gonna get sued now because that's their that's their uh, sound for whenever you log in. It's not. We're fine. So I I love Twitter mainly because of random crazy accounts like Obvious Ostrich. Obvious Ostrich is one of my favorite people to. To, f- to follow on twitter it's my kind of comedy right and he just says things that are obvious like for example uh he'll say um if you're dead you can no longer eat eggs it's like oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> of, of course i don't know why sam sam okay <laughs> uh, today another obvious ostrich one if you fill a, a bottle of water and take it into a dark room and pour the water on the floor You've just wasted your time. (laughs) So, like, that, just little things like that, misdirection, that kind of thing, right? So, another great thing about Twitter is that no one understands it. Truly, truly, nobody understands Twitter. And I'll give you an example. I'm on Twitter all the time. I love it. I want to say I figured it out, but I obviously haven't. Like, there are people on Twitter that are, like, like Catholic people on Twitter that everybody else thinks are hilarious and they have like, you know, 20,000 followers. I'm like, they're not all that funny, but like there's this thing called Catholic Twitter and they all think that each other are hilarious. So like they're all popular. Right. And then I think I'm funny and, and they don't think I'm funny. So I'm not part of their cool kids group. Right. Another person who's not cool, who's on Twitter, it's my boss, Matt Rice. Okay? So he doesn't understand social media. He doesn't understand, like, how to use Twitter. He doesn't care about Twitter. Uh, so the irony of all this is that Matt Rice went viral <laughs> on Twitter this weekend. Exactly. It's very, very scary. It doesn't make any sense, just like Sam's sound effects. So on Twitter, there was a video that I found absolutely out of nowhere. So if you're not on Twitter, kind of how it works is that you like you can follow people and you'll see their tweets. You can see like what they retweet so you might see somebody else's tweet if somebody you follow retweets it, right? It all sounds stupid when you say it out loud, but it makes a lot of sense on the phone. So but also like if a lot of people that you follow like one tweet, it'll show you that tweet in your timeline. So a lot of my followers started liking this, or people that I follow, they follow me, whatever, right? <clears throat> started liking this little five-second video, cute little video of this old grandma at the Texas A&M football game. And during halftime, she was trying to record on her smartphone, she was trying to record the, the halftime show. And like any cute old grandma would do, she was holding the phone in front of her face but the camera was flipped, so she was just recording herself, recording the, the halftime show, right? And I watched the video, I'm like, that's hilarious, right? Like, this little old lady trying to figure out technology, like, it's cute, all these things, right? And it's one of those videos, like, it just loops and loops and loops, just five seconds, plays over and over again. And then I hear the voice, th- like, what happens is, is, a guy walks down, like, a couple of, couple of steps, he's like, hey, ma'am, just so you know, y- you're, you're recording backwards, essentially, right? And so at first, I'm so focused on, on the little old lady. I'm like, this is hilarious all in and of itself, right? And then I hear the voice, like the third or fourth time that I'm, that I'm watching it. And I show my wife. And I'm like, hey, this is funny, right? Look, look, look at this old lady. And then I I've heard, hear the voice third or fourth time. I'm like, wait. I know that voice. Wait, 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 wait. And then I watch it again. And I like, kind of zoom in because you can't fully see the guy in, in, the, in the picture. Until like this one moment at the end where he kind of leans in to help her out. It's my boss, Matt Rice, who walked down. He's wearing this Kairos cross, and he has this deep manly voice that sounds like a demon or something, which is ironic because he's in, he's in ministry. That's a whole other thing. <clears throat> but the granddaughter of the grandma tweets this out on Sunday morning. I see it Sunday afternoon. i mean, like, this is crazy. And at that point, it had like 3,000 likes. To put this in perspective, I-, I'm not, I-, I have like, what, 500 followers on Twitter or something like that. Like, not, not that much. I-, I did post this tweet once that got 1,000 likes. Most of my tweets get like 0 to 7, right? I posted one that got 1,000 likes, and I was just like, this is the greatest day ever, right? And then Matt Rice, who has like 200 followers is in this video, already has 3,000 likes by the time I find it Sunday afternoon, midday. And then throughout the day, I'm just looking at it. Because how this works is like the more people that retweet it, the more people see it, right? And then just exponentially, I'm looking at an hour later, it has 20,000 likes. An hour after that, it has 80,000 likes. By the time I go to youth night on Sunday night, it has almost 100,000 likes. And I'm just watching it go up. Like every, as I'm telling people, like what's going on, I'm telling people the story, it goes up like 5,000 likes every hour. I'm like, what is happening? This is crazy. And I'm like reading people's comments, and some people are like, oh, he's a good Samaritan. What a good dude. Other people are like, what a creep. He's just staring at this grandma's phone from three rows up. It was hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. And then, like, so the next day, we're all kind of making fun of him because. He doesn't care. We're all having fun, but I'm, I'm in this Bible study with him, and all the guys are like, Oh, are you still going to come to Bible study now that you're famous? And all this stuff, right? By Monday, it had 225,000 likes. To put that in a little bit of perspective, that's about as many people live in the Bryan College Station area. <laughs> like, that's uh, it's it's just mind blowing how many people have liked this tweet, have seen this tweet, and Today, I, like the last I looked before I came on the show was like 266,000 people. It's just ridiculous. And to, again, to put this in a little bit more perspective, last week the Houston Astros won the World Series for the first time in their, in their history. My childhood team, my favorite sports team ever since I've been, I've been growing up, four, three, four, five, six years ago, they were losing like 90 games, 100 games, 110 games. So they finally win their first World Series. I'm like crying. It's, it's amazing, right? So the Houston Astros Twitter, who has like a million followers, they tweet out and they pin this tweet to the top that says, the, all in caps, right? The Houston Astros are world champions for the first time in history. Congratulations, a picture of them, like, celebrating the victory, right? That tweet got 90,000 likes. Matt Rice helping out this old lady got 266,000. It's just crazy and doesn't make any sense. But, like, here's the interesting thing. There's one person that replied to this tweet that absolutely captures where I've been sitting with this whole story. There's one person that replied to the tweet saying, if I was him and I saw the grandma doing this, I just would have laughed, like nudged the person next to me. And like we would have pointed and laughed and just kind of like, you know, moved along with our day. Like we would have like, kept watching the halftime show. Like that's funny and move on. Matt Rice is the good Samaritan. <laughs> and he, you know, this whole like love your neighbor and help out your neighbor. Right? He saw somebody that was in need and said, let me go help them. And most of the time, that stuff goes unnoticed, right? Most of the time, good Christian people, they do things behind the scenes, and, like, you're not supposed to do things for show, right? He, he didn't do this for show. He just did it to be helpful, and it went freaking viral, right? So, like, so, uh, again, just like I said at the beginning of the show that complaining never gets anything, but there's that one time that it does. You'll never get recognized for the good things you do when nobody's looking, but every now and then, you'll go viral on Twitter when you're an old man. Okay. So, <laughs> another thing that happened on Twitter today. Twitter's a weird place. I don't know if you've ever been on it, but it's it's a, it's an odd place. So, Twitter's like big thing ever since it came out was that it's only 140 characters. With that like, you know, you're typing, so it's like 140 letters or spaces or hashtags or whatever, right? 140 things that you type. And that was kind of their big differentiator from Facebook because Facebook, you could post, you know, like everybody could post their dirty laundry, either either literally, like I've seen picture, people post pictures of their actual dirty laundry or what I actually meant, like all the crap that's going on in their life, right? So people posting all these things, like Twitter was like the opposite of that. Let's just get, get right to the point so you can scroll through and just see what's going on in the world. Well, it's uh, they announced a few months ago that they were going to try out 280 characters, so they let some like famous people do it, Right. It's a typing. Sam, you're the worst. Okay, so today today they released 280 characters to everybody. And everybody that's like been popular on Twitter, like all these Catholic Twitter people are like, this is stupid. You should, you should be able to be funny in 140 characters. And obviously I'm not good enough at Twitter with 140 characters because I only have 500 followers. So I did something today just to mess with people like that. Because what they said was, in 280 characters, people are just going to ramble and it's going to be stupid. So here was my first tweet with 280 characters. Howdy. My name is Taylor. And you are a friend of mine. And there are more characters now than I've ever had before. And you should be my friend and I shall be yours. And friends we shall be. And my friends are your friends and your friends are my friends. The more we get together, the happier we'll be. Hashtag 280. And you know what? It got seven likes. That's like triple what I normally get. So Matt Rice, I'm coming for you with me and my seven likes. He was one of my likes. If he retweeted it, it would get at least four more likes. I mean, he's famous now, right? So so uh, last week, I, or this last weekend, I went to uh, a high school retreat with uh, high schoolers from the uh, the parishes that Ablaze works with and uh, another parish from down in Navasota, Great time! I told you I was gonna last week. I told you I was gonna be talking about peace. A lot of times when I go speak, I share some of the same things on on the radio. And last week I uh, didn't really get to all the things that I wanted to share because I was, you know, too busy talking about uh, things that didn't matter. So, (laughs) so today I want to dive into one more of those stories. Uh, The theme of the retreat was rest in his peace. It was RIP and then there was like that little what do you call that little asterisk thing? We like inserting something into a word, right? like you made a mistake. Huh? A, a carrot? No. Again, you're wrong. Okay. So, it was like rest in peace, this RIP theme because it was kind of it was around Halloween. We had like a Halloween party theme on Friday night and then you know, talked about Jesus peace the whole rest of the time. So, I came in on Sunday to give this talk and the the first part was what I talked about last week, about the disciples being in the room and they were in the upper room and they were scared because Jesus had died, and then he appears to them, walks through the walls, and all that kind of stuff. If you want to check it out, you can go to fortcatholic slash radio, listen to last week's episode. Uh, the next story is uh, the biggest story ever about a dude that missed the party. So all the apostles are hanging out except for Judas, who went and took care of other business, and uh, Thomas, called Didymus, the worst nickname of all time. Uh, If Sam keeps doing uh, sound effects like this, I'm going to call her Sam, called Didymus. (laughs) So uh, he wasn't there when Jesus appeared. He was, I I don't know, playing racquetball. I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't there. Uh, So here's what it says in the scriptures. Thomas, called Didymus, wasn't there when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, we have seen the Lord. And this is like that, that point with you and your friends where, like, they're all hanging out and you missed out for whatever reason. And they're like, guys, like, hey, Sam, you missed uh, You missed out. The whole staff went out to party and we all got to ride an elephant. And it was so much fun. And you missed out. And then Sam's like, dude, like, I know Taylor. Like, he's lying. <clears throat> like, there's not an elephant you did not ride an elephant. Like, unless I see the elephant with my own eyes, it didn't happen. The modern equivalent of this is like when, like, you know, kids go to parties or people go to whatever. It's like, you'll never guess what I did today on Twitter. Um, I got to meet Kanye West. And the big thing that people say is, like, picture it didn't happen. Like, if there's not photo evidence, some kind of evidence that I can see, feel, touch with my own hands, it didn't happen. Right? So essentially, Thomas is saying, picture it didn't happen. But here's what Thomas says, kind of weird. It's not unless I see Jesus. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. So he doesn't want to just see Jesus. He wants to put his finger, like, in the nail marks of Jesus. Now, that's just weird, right? So what do we what do we kind of glean from this story that ends this way? Jesus shows up, and he's like, hey, Thomas, I heard you wanted to put your finger in my hands and my side. Come on. And at that point, you'd think Thomas would be like, no, no, it's cool, Jesus. Like, I, It's fine. I see you here now. No, like he walks up and he sticks his finger in Jesus's side. So, so what's the deal with this story? Why is this why story? <laughs> why does this happen? I'm convinced it's that because a lot of people like at this retreat this weekend, a lot of you people listening are in different places in your spiritual life. Some of you just need pure faith where you're just like, yeah, I believe it, it's cool. Others of you are like, no, I need to see Jesus. I need to interact with him. Others of you are like, I have big doubts, like Thomas. I need, like, hard physical evidence before I believe. And you know what? Just like Jesus did for Thomas and said, you know what? I hear what you need, and I'm going to give it to you. Come on, Thomas. Put your finger in my nail marks. So if you have these doubts, like don't run from them, go confront them, run right to them, ask God, listen to Catholic Radio, look it up on the internet, find whatever you need. Uh, We're going to be right back with Matt Martinison from the Ultimate Catholic Comic Book. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. Our second segment here of the evening. In the first segment, we talked about some uh, scriptures that I find hilarious, and uh, the next guy we're going to be talking to found some people to bring together to have probably one of the funniest, uh, gr- <laughs> one of the funniest, like groups of hilarious reflections on the scripture I've ever seen. We are talking to my new friend Matt Martinison. Did I say that correctly? It's an it's an interesting last name.
1: Yeah, Martinison.
0: Martinison. See, I, I heard it. I would met you, or I heard of you on the Catholic Man Show, friends of ours, friends of the show, up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, so uh, did, I, I think they said it wrong. So I'll blame them because I got my information from them. So, <laughs> That's fine, yeah. It's all their fault. Throw Matt, it it's, it's great to have you here this evening. Thanks for joining us to, to talk to you about this project that you brought together called The Ultimate Catholic Comic Book. Uh, I have been so excited to talk to you about this. Number one, I love Catholicism. I love comic books, and I just love the word ultimate. So you've brought all of these things together <laughs> in such a great package. Uh, before we kind of dive into it, uh, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself to, to people who who are you? And uh, and then the and the follow up question is, what is the ultimate Catholic comic book?
1: Sure. Well, uh, my name is Matt, and I am passionate really about just kind of start up projects like this having an idea and uh, trying to make it come to life. So this is uh kind of a dream come true for me to be able to make a book like this and to share share it with so many people. Uh so the Ultimate Catholic comic book is exactly what it says it is. Uh it's a Catholic comic book and like you said it's, it's pretty ultimate. Uh it has four artists that uh are all online and just pride themselves in their in their uh what's it called cartooning and comicing uh most of them do do catholic work uh and we i brought them all together and we've made this this in my opinion just this awesome book that is just full of deep and somewhat uh cheap puns it's fun
0: (laughs) it is a lot of fun i am a huge comic fan people who listen to the show routinely will know that i'm always talking about star wars or about marvel or whatever i'm a i'm a subscriber to marvel unlimited which means it's essentially like the netflix of comic books where i just can read any comic book i want from marvel on my ipad at any Uh, time always reading them so when you sent me your book and i just want to give people a little bit of background anytime i have a guest on that has a book i get it sent to me in the mail and i do a show every week and I have a new guest every week and most people send me books that are you know 200 300 400 pages and i'm a terrible reader i'm just i'm just not good so i, I always read like a chapter or two to kind of get the gist of it on a bad week i'll look at the pictures you know <laughs> to go back to kindergarten <laughs> but with with your book man i have to tell you with with how cool it looks with with everything about it that it's comic books it's different i read the entire ultimate catholic comic book in less than 24 hours from the moment i ripped it open from the from the fedex package man i absolutely ate it up it's hilarious uh, i want to share with people awesome. yeah dude it's so good and i want to get into uh like how you got this started and all of those types of things but before i do i just want to give our, our listeners a kind of a an example of one of these comics just so that they can get in their mind as they're listening to this driving in the cars or whatever. So my favorite comic of the whole thing is Jesus, Peter and the disciples. That's the, that's the setup. Jesus says, Simon, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. What you bind and loose on earth shall be bound and loosed in heaven. So Simon looks at the other apostles and says, did you hear that everyone? I'm in charge, which means you have to do what Simon says. And Jesus says, Nope, your name is Peter now. <laughs> Peter. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> so <laughs> I absolutely love like this view on scripture. Because one of the things that I'm about here on the show is making scripture come to life. Because a lot of people are like, oh, it's an old book. It's boring. I don't like reading the scriptures that way. And I know that you don't, and that and that these artists that you pulled together. Definitely don't. So, in, in your being the guy that, like, what was first of all, before we go any further, what was your role in this project?
1: Uh, so I'm my title is the producer. So, I had the idea, uh, I got everybody together, uh, put together the Kickstarter. We all worked, did our fair share to get it um, fundraised and crowdfunded, and uh, gave the artists their timeline. So, I just kind of kept everything moving, uh, and now. Afterwards, I get the the fun part of doing lots of press for it, uh, just like this. So, and just getting to brag about how awesome these four artists are.
0: They they really are awesome. You, you, I think you have the best seat in the house. It's it's amazing. So, uh, how did this idea come about for you? You're just because here's why I want to ask. I'm in the Catholic world. I'm in the comic book world. There has never really been a market around catholic comics like that's just never been a thing and you're like you know what i'm going to invent something you know or i'm going to at least showcase what a few people are kind of doing over in pockets like i had never heard of these four guys except i'd maybe seen one or two of their comics like randomly but it wasn't like this big deal and now you've brought it together and made it a big deal and it's amazing so how did you get this idea to bring these artists together to showcase this this new and exciting thing of catholic comics
1: yeah, I appreciate you noticing that there's uh there's not a market for it. Uh so that's a as an entrepreneur business student, that's I mean, that's where I'm trying to, you know, make a market. Um, but I work with Tom Gould of Tomics on a regular basis. So we're kind of business buddies of for Tomics. Uh we went to college together and he would draw Catholic comics all around the whiteboards at school. And so afterwards I was like, We should these are two good to just keep on these whiteboards like we need to get these shared out more um and so he has been doing this for we've been doing this for a few years and then Jason Bach who is kind of the the heavyweight as I as I call him a uh, large audience and has tons of great cartoons uh about the saints so there's like basketball games in heaven and his uh, good ones are really good ones Halloween Catholic Halloween costumes he was the original Spirit of Vatican II. I know that one's been going around this year. <laughs> uh, he kind of originated that idea. Um, Pat Cross, I knew his brother and introduced me to him. Uh, he does conservative political cartoons and also a good Catholic guy. And then John Smealy, who uh, his first go ahead at the at Catholic cartoons, you've probably seen it, is the first ever rosary. Yeah. <laughs> with Jesus just tugging on his mom, just mom, 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 <laughs> 10 times. Um, and so I knew all these guys had great work, and you know, not, none of this, none of these guys, this is their full time job. It's not my full time job either. So, being able to bring our work together, collaborate, and just all put in our fair share, we're able to get to make this book happen. Whereas. I couldn't do it on my own because I am not uh, an artiste and these guys probably just don't have the time as they're, you know, working full-time jobs and trying to share their art. So I pushed, you know, I pledged my part and they did theirs and we have trying to make this market known and just share a love of, of faith in this new way.
0: I I could go 8,000 different ways with follow-up questions. Here's here's the way I I think I'm going to go and we'll go get around <laughs> to the other ones. Uh because one thing that you said is that you could not have done this without them. You're you're not the artist. Like I I have no artistic talent whatsoever. Like I I can do music but like when it, I can barely spell my like write my name legibly. Like I have no like drawing talent whatsoever. <laughs> uh and like essentially what you did is like you don't have that talent they don't they don't have the the business like acumen or t- a talent that you do right like that's where your talents lie so like none of this would have happened if y'all didn't collaborate and bring these two things together like wh- how in like w- what brought that about in you? Like, how were you able to see that, that, because a lot of times people will find their if it's like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do comics. I'm going to go find something else. And you're like, no, like, I'm going to go bring these people together so that your gifts make theirs better and theirs make your better. How did you, like, what was your thought process throughout that?
1: Uh, through some, uh, some hard learns of trying to do everything myself, I, uh, now have really discovered that I have the skills to bring a team together and bring a product to life. And, but I do not have the the ideas or the talent to make the product itself or, you know, the content of it. Uh, So just knowing about that, about myself and having good connections with these guys to be able to say, Hey, I trust you to do great work. I mean, there was no sort of like, censorship with this it's like whatever you guys want to put in this book it's your call because you're the artist and i i trust you to do it and they said great here it is i trust you to make it happen um so just being able knowing myself enough to say if i were to draw these comics uh, this would have been a flop it would have been like two pages and then probably me just writing obscenities of how frustrated it was that i couldn't keep going with it uh so I let them do the the content making.
0: Yeah, that would have been a little less entertaining. Hey Sam, look at this book. It's just people cussing in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> little less ultimate, little less Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> not even really comic. It's just kind of a book.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. So, like, I one thing that you mentioned is that like you trusted them, they trusted you. So there was a risk in that. There was a risk in going into this market that nobody you know that nobody has really gone into before there. I'm guessing there was a, a financial risk. There was a, like a, a risk that you could have been wasting your time. There was a risk of failure. Like how were you able to look it, at this idea and be like, with all these risks, I'm going to do it anyway. What drove you throughout this process?
1: That's a great question. just, I mean, just the hope and the excitement of being able to hold the book in our hands when we were done. I mean, we all, wanted it to happen uh there's definitely a risk in just kind of putting our names out there we made a kickstarter pledge and i mean our names are all over it and so if it flopped it would have been like oh look at these guys that no one cares about or trust that they have good work so that would have been kind of a you know flop on the old ego and uh but just just the hope and the the trust that this was a good idea that you know we we had it the 5 of us were all on board so it had to be somewhat good. Everybody agreed to do it. So yeah, just the the hope and knowing that this could be something really really cool. So let's give it a shot.
0: And you did it, man. was, was there any, any ever a time where you thought the risk was going to take over? Or you thought the that you, you thought it wasn't going to work throughout like in the middle of it or something? I mean, doing a
1: Kickstarter is <laughs> that's that's just ridden with anxiety. I mean, you put it out there and then right away you get some donors. It's like, all right, we're going to be funded tomorrow. And then no one donates for like the next week. And it's just like, Oh man, (laughs) I don't think this is going to happen until, you know, then it picks back up. I mean, it's just like a roller coaster of emotions and feelings and it, it can get there. But I mean, once we had, once it was funded by all our awesome fans who believed in us, it was really just like, I mean, this is it we but then it kind of got to the pressure of like look now we have these people's money we have to give them something uh so that was also a good motivation to really make this a good product because it wasn't like we made it first and sold it we sold it and then then we had to make it
0: so there was a there was a time where you had people's money and no comics Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's trust right there. That's trust. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the comics here in our last couple minutes together. Uh, like, how, what do you think about this, this avenue, this medium of comics being able to be used for the faith? What do you think that it brings that maybe like a, a normal book, uh, things that were more typical, that, that we're more used to? What does the medium of comics bring to faith?
1: I think it brings a lot. There's, I mean, on the, on the surface, it's like, well, they're they're comics. Like, how great can they be, or how deep can they be? But there's just such this opportunity for us to portray the joy of the faith, uh, put ourselves in their shoes. You know, like, like in the comic that you talked about, like being in the apostles' shoes, uh, and but also we've had times when Tom has drawn a comic about origin and, you know, we submitted it to a few places and they say like, I've, I don't even know who origin is. It's like, well, great. Look it up. He's a church father. And uh, there's actually a reason why he's not. He's, he's one of the, like, the few church fathers that aren't a saint. So it's it's really an opportunity to evangelize, especially with already believing Catholics, not so much a evangelization tool to the masses, but to really ign- ignite the fire of believing Catholics to grow deeper into something that they may have not already thought about.
0: It's so funny you say that because as I was reading the comic, I can't remember the exact one off the top of my head, but I, you know, I'd, I'd read 20 in a row and I'm just laughing, laughing, laughing my butt off. And then I get to one of them and I'm like, I don't get it. And I like, I, right. I know at that moment, it's not the comics fault. It's mine because I—they've already proved that they're amazing. Because I laughed at the previous twenty, I'm like, I don't get this joke. I need to go look it up. Then I look it up. And I'm like, oh, now this is hilarious, you know. So I think it does, it does have that. And obviously, a lot of this work is inspired by the scriptures and the lives of the saints. How do you think that these comics help people connect to to these saints or to the stories of scripture?
1: I think, I mean, it gets you to think about it. Even with comics, that we do the Sunday readings the Friday before. So you kind of already have an idea of what's coming or when you hear it in match, like it's just a different way to get familiar. I definitely don't recommend reading comics over uh preparing reading the readings beforehand. Uh definitely <laughs> not <laughs> trying to promote that. Uh but just to be able to look at our faith in a different way and not so much just the academia of long books, history lessons, but maybe put yourself in their shoes or kind of laugh a little at what actually happens. Cause there's some lines in scripture that are actually kind of funny. Like you were talking about, you read these things and it's like, I mean, does anyone else think that's funny? Because that's, I think
0: that's a joke. <laughs> yeah. It, it. It gets me. That's why I love it. I love connecting with it, because I think I read the scriptures the same way that you and your, comic, your uh, artists do. So I love it. I, I hope that my listeners are going to love it, too. I hope they get it. Where can they get this book? I think you have a special deal for them as well.
1: Yeah, uh, CatholicComicBook.com. And if they use the code FORTE, uh, they will get 10% off
0: that's awesome people say i never helped them but uh i now have through matt i actually didn't do anything but because i have a show you get 10 (laughs) percent off from matt so i'm gonna go ahead and claim uh, matt's goodness for myself so matt thanks for coming on thanks for bringing this book i absolutely love it you've combined two things that i love beautiful beautiful thing congratulations on making it through this whole process and thanks for coming on
1: yeah thanks so much for having me great
0: talk- talking with you yeah g- god bless and uh, guys go get this book it's a great christmas present uh you don't have to buy me one because i already have one but buy one for your friends it's great stuff we'll be right back with our final segment of the evening back to Forte Catholic. We are recording in the Red Sea Radio studios in College Station, Texas. No matter how you're listening, whether it's on Red Sea Radio in Central Texas or St. Michael Radio in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or you're listening on the podcast, or uh, you're in the room, or you're hiding in the ceiling tiles to get free radio, welcome in. It's fantastic to have you. Man, I can't talk enough about that Ultimate Catholic comic book. Go get it. Support these guys for doing something new, and you will be rewarded. It is absolutely hilarious, and it'll make you think about the scriptures differently. So I want to do two things in this last segment, Last segment, if I can, if I can speak correctly. Uh, first, I want to do a Forte 5 segment, our, our countdown of five things that we haven't done in quite a while. And then I want to tell you about the story about one of the, probably one of the coolest ministry moments I've had in months that happened on the retreat this weekend. So uh, this Forte 5 that I want to do comes from the last couple of weeks. I've been around some weird praying the last couple of weeks. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, how can I bring this onto the air? I was like, you know what? Let's think of the five weirdest things that people say in prayer, or at least that I've heard recently. Like you've, you might have heard some heresy. There's kind of the joke that like worship leaders, when they get into it, they'll speak heresy You're like, Lord Jesus, come with your power and uh, uh, take our hearts away. It's like, no, 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 I want to keep my heart. You know, like, you're like what are you talking about? Right? So uh, without further ado, here is our Forte 5 weirdest things that people say in prayer. Let's go. Coming in at number five. This happens every Sunday when you go to Mass, and you've probably never thought about how weird it is. After Communion, while we're all kneeling, we've received Communion. You know, the priest is doing his cleaning duties, these kinds of things, right? Right after that, when he's done, he goes back to his chair, and he says, 54 minutes into Mass, let us pray. Every time, I want to be like, Father, what do you think I've been doing for the last 54 minutes? I've been praying. You don't have to say, let us pray. And it's just filler words, right? What he really means is stand up now so we can pray. But he says, let us pray. It's insulting. Father, please stop doing it. Number four is when people are praying and they use this filler word. A, a lot of people use fillers when we're talking. This one is the word just. God, I want you to just come and be in this room. God, I just want you to heal this person. It's like, no, no. That's not the only thing that you want. I just want you to be in this room. No, no, no. I want you to be in the other room, too. God, I just want you to be in my heart. No, I want you to be in my fingers and also in 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 the heart of my listeners. And I want you... To... Stop saying just in prayer. Think of another filler word. We all have filler words. That shouldn't be your one in prayer. Number three. And this happened, and I got in trouble for making a joke about it when it happened. But now I'm on the radio, and I'm supposed to be funny. So... This one is when people say either come Holy Spirit or come Lord Jesus over and over in prayer. I'm, first of all, I'm totally cool with people saying like, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit at the beginning of a prayer. But when we're 30 minutes into prayer and you're still saying, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit, I'm like, where do you think he's been? Like he's been here. That's like me telling Sam, our producer, hey, Sam, come into this room. She's been in here for an hour. We've been recording a radio show together. Like I w- don't continue saying, "Sam, come here. Sam, come here." She's already here. It's fine. Again, stop using that as your filler word and say a real prayer, people. Okay. the f- The number two. A lot of people will say this when we're, they're praying over somebody. They'll say, "God, I just want to give you a. I, I just want you to put a hedge of protection around Sam." I want you to put a hedge of protection around Taylor. And what they mean is, like, we want you to, like, Taylor to be protected, right? Spiritually protected against, like, temptation, these kind of things. Like, but my prop, that's all oh, cool. I get the idea. My thing is, I don't want a hedge protecting me. I want walls. I want a strong building made of adamantium or titanium. Like, that's what's going to keep the devil out, not a hedge. As when I was a kid, I would sprint through hedges. They're not stopping anybody. You can jump over them. You can go through them. You can do all these things, right? Think of something better, not just a hedge. Okay, and finally, the number one weird things that happen in, ma- or in, in prayer. I'm guilty of this one. It's that weird prayer we do at the end of Mass like once every four months where the priest says, bow your head for the blessing. May the Lord be with you and keep you. Amen. And then I look up because we have prayed. But he says three prayers. <laughs> Never once have I made it through <laughs> whatever he says. Bow your head for the blessing. I either think we're only doing one because they don't tell you. Because typically they're like, God, be with us the rest of this week. Amen. The Mass is ended. Go in peace. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes they just want to do three prayers for some reason and say amen in the middle. Stop saying amen in the middle. Like all amen means is I believe. It's cool to say, I get it, but we all know that amen means the end of the prayer. When you say amen, I'm done. Quit praying. I'm out, right? So uh, that's the final thing. Bow your head for the blessing and then saying amen in the middle of the prayer. Father, stop doing it, man. It's killing me. I already have trouble paying attention enough in mass. I gave you the attention I had and you kept going. Your fault, not mine. All right, that's our Forte 5 for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I feel better. I got all that anger off my chest. Just so mad at all these people praying. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Pray correctly, you heathens. Okay, so I, wanna, I do want to tell you this story. just switching gears a little bit. I want to tell you this story about a young man at the retreat this past weekend, and I got to talk to him. And here was my pl- this is one of those times that um, it proves that ministry is a mirror. That any time, most of the time when, when you go do ministry, and what I mean by that is not professional ministry, which is like what I do, what Sam does, what Mackenzie does, um, but any kind of ministry. Sharing, sharing the love of God, sharing the word of God with anybody. This could be you talking to a friend who's struggling with their marriage or whatever. Right? That's ministry. Anytime you're bringing Jesus to people and sharing the truth, that's ministry. So my job on this retreat on Friday night was I was, like, there was, a, I was kind of the main contact person for this church out in Navasota. So, all I was supposed to do, I just drove out to It's like a 45 minute drive. I drove out there. All I was supposed to do was drive 45 minutes, be there for about 30, check in with the team, make sure everything's cool, introduce the head of the retreat, who was Sam, to the, the, the head of the guys from Navasota, make sure they get kind of acclimated and into it. And then I was going to jet and go watch Stranger Things, right? This That was my plan. God's plan was there was a young man at this retreat who definitely needed something different than what was planned for that Friday night. He's just in a different place. I'll get into a little bit of it, but essentially what happened was I sat down with this young man for two and a half hours Friday night. Like everybody else is playing games and there's a talk and they're praying. I don't know what they were doing. Actually. I was just sitting in the back talking to this guy for two and a half hours. That is a long conversation with a kid I'd never met before. Right? So here's, here's what happened. Talking to him, and I'm looking at his, uh, at his, uh, you know, we had the, the red Solo cups, you know, and it was a Friday night. We had red Solo cups out in the country, but I promise it was just water and lemonade because it was a retreat. <clears throat> Jesus didn't change it into wine, although I kind of wish he did. Uh, so this kid wrote his name, which I'm not going to say. And the the Pope, like, he wants to be the Pope. Like, that's that's his his deal. Like, I was like, man, whatever. You're going to aim high, that's fine. Like, you aim for the Pope, you might become a cardinal or bishop, but, you know, like, you, you might not be a Pope, but, you know, you can settle to be a bishop, you know, like this kind of thing, right? So, anyway, he wants to be the Pope, and he has good reasons for this. He's looking at the church, he's looking at at bishops, cardinals, at priests, at, like, his... You know, maybe his, his local leaders and his faith community, these kinds of things. And he's like, you know, like, I'm hearing a lot of the same things over and over again. And I, I don't hear a lot of people like speaking out about these real big issues. And he, he was mentioning things like, you know, like uh, the, the culture of secularism and people not following God. He's like, nobody's challenging people. I want to challenge people and I want to be challenged. So it came all from a good place. And, and what had happened with him is that he used to be so close to God. He was like the all star youth ministry kid, just like all bought in, and now he like, when i when I talk to him, he's just so frustrated <clears throat> he's frustrated now, like he doesn't want to buy into the retreat. he's like, "I don't want to be here, which is like we get that a lot on retreats like we're we're like we we that's not a surprise to us. People who have been youth ministers or, or around kids, a lot of them are forced to be there either for confirmation because mom mom brought him or whatever. Our biggest thing is, I don't care what reason you came here for. As long as you're here, I can do something with you, right? I don't care if you came for the pretty girls. That's why I went to youth group in high school. I went for the pretty girls and stayed for Jesus after a few months when I met him, you know? Uh, I was confused because the pretty girls had long flowing hair. Jesus had long flowing hair. And it, it just worked out. It was fine. So <clears throat> this, this young man was frustrated because he kept reaching out to God and not hearing anything. He used to be like respected in the community. And then, like, this other kid came in who is also a rock star kid right around the time that this young man was like reaching out to God, was, like praying, doing all these things and not getting an answer. So he's like, you know, like Jesus said, like, every time you knock, the door will be open. Every time you seek, you'll find. I've been seeking and knocking and ain't nothing happening. And I'm like, dude, like, I can totally understand that. Right. So he doesn't understand that this is like a time of desolation, right? A time where, like, where he's not encountering the Lord. We all have these ebbs and flows where, you know, it's like a roller coaster. You're you're going up in in your faith, then you're going down, and then out of nowhere you do that three loop-de-loops in a row. You're like, what is happening, Jesus? Like, what's going on? And this is where he is. But he took it a little further than some people, because he, out of his frustration with God, for not, uh, seemingly not answering his prayers, not being there for him, not having this connection with him that he once had. And frustrated with church leaders and not speaking out against some of these, some of these big things are or, or, or taking him deeper, these kinds of things. And he, he gets frustrated. He's like, I want to have the influence. I want this, the power to do good things. So like he's seeking power for a good reason, but <clears throat> took this odd turn. And he, he looked me straight in the face about two hours into our conversation. After I'd kind of convinced him, like, hey, dude, like, you want to be the Pope. The first thing, I, the first thing he kind of addressed, like, you want to be the Pope. You want to do great things. You want to have influence in the future. But you also told me that you don't want to buy into this retreat. I said, if you want all those good things, you got to start doing something now about it. What are you doing right now? And he goes, "Oh man, you're good." (laughs) I was like, "Well, that's not really what it's about, but thank you, right?" So, so I'd convinced him. Was like, "Dude, like you need to like buy into this retreat, or do something about your faith, right? Like you need to be praying, you need to be searching for God. Like no matter what the answer is, like you have to continue searching for him." And he's like, "All right, man, like I I can do that." But then we get into this interesting conversation where he says. I've been seeing demons. I've been seeing spirits. And I know the power that demons have. I know that God's powerful. I also know that Satan's powerful. And I'm real frustrated with God, and I keep reaching out to him. I want this power to be able to do good things, and I'm not getting it from God. So I'm going to give God one more chance after I convinced him to give the retreat a chance. I'm going to give God one more chance. If he doesn't give me that chance, I'm going to go ask Satan for it. And I was like, whoa, that's, I've, I haven't gone down that path before. Right? But then we started talking about Star Wars. And he's like, all right, what, what are you talking about? Right? I love Star Wars. Anakin Skywalker, we've talked about it on the show before. Anakin Skywalker is this cute little kid, one of the most powerful like, Jedi force wielders of all time. And he wants to be able to do good things for those that he loves. He wants to be able to protect those around him at whatever cost. He loves so deeply that he wants to protect his family, his friends, the people that he works with, the other Jedi, right? He wants that so bad, but he starts to get, he starts, you know, Emperor Palpatine, who is like the lead bad guy, essentially like Satan, starts leading him astray saying like, oh, those, those guys can't give you power. They're so corrupt, and they're so messed up. Like, they can't help your, your wife, who's very sick, and dying. And, and he says to him, the evil guy, essentially Satan in this scenario, says, I can help you either save your wife's life or bring her back from the dead. And Anakin's like, out of his good desire to protect his and save his wife, says, okay, I'll do that. And he turns to the dark side. He turns to Satan's side. He gets power. But he realizes right when he gets in, Palpatine was lying. Satan was lying. He does not have the power to bring people back from the dead. So I said, man, I, I asked him, he's Star Wars fan, he said yes. Yeah. So if it doesn't make sense to you, it's making sense to this kid, right? And I was like, this is your chance, man. Like, this, this is your turning point. Like You're Anakin right now. You want the power for good reason to do good but you're allowing Satan to kind of twist it. Just like Palpatine did for for Anakin. Twisting it a little bit where he's taking your good desire, twisting it and leading you down this dark path. <clears throat> and then my final the one the one the second to last thing I did with him is as we're ending this conversation, he was saying, "All right, man, like I get it. I get it. I talked him through a lot of this stuff." <clears throat> and he says, you know what, I, I, I get it. I'm going to give God one more chance. I know because of this, some of the things I did, I need to go to confession. And I was like, I can't force you to go, but you just told me you want to go. So tomorrow, when you feel like you don't want to go, you're going to go. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. And I, the last thing he says, like, I'm going to give God one more chance. But again, I don't know what I'm going to do if he doesn't answer me this weekend. And he said, God needs to send me a sign. If some little, little lady in church would just come and tell me that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and he wants to do some great things, that'll be my sign. If a priest invites me to his house and says, like, hey, you'd be a great priest, that'll be my sign. But I need a sign or I'm out. And I looked him dead in the eye, two and a half hours into our conversation. Are you blind? And he said, excuse me? I said, are you blind? He said, what are you talking about? And I said, what have I been doing for the last two and a half hours? Sitting here telling you all the stuff that you just wanted somebody randomly to come and tell you. That's exactly what it is. I'm your sign. He's like, damn, you're good at this. And I'm like, thank you. And he's like, okay. Moral of the story is, and uh, excuse his French. That's exactly word for word what he said, right? Good kid. And like, I, I came back to the retreat Sunday. He went to confession. He's in a much better place. And he pulled through. So, obviously, like like I said, ministry is a mirror. A lot of that stuff helped me. Pursuing through prayer. Where are you getting your power from? All these kinds of things, man. It's just a cool, cool story. We're going to be back next week with Anthony D'Ambrosio. Talk about 8 Beats, a movie about the Beatitudes. And we're going to be talking about scriptures that never got worship songs. We'll be back next week. See it.